shadow of Mother's Day, it's your commission, Farrell Elliott, and the uh, always beloved trophy husband, uh, Robbie Fetcher, coming to you with our first podcast in a while. Rob, it's it's great to be uh, it's great to be on the other end of the telephone, be talking football with you. Oh, it's so exciting now that the draft has happened. Um, I think we've wound up the run to daylight now, and I know there was so many so much excitement about that. So. Uh, Weather's getting nicer. We're going to have OTAs and everything. Football will be here before we know it. 96 teams uh, drafted in the checkered flag, and they are complete. Rob, you've got how many? Two or three of them? I have three. Good job, buddy. You know, uh, pre-draft, I have enjoyed my FFPC draft so much because I was able to anticipate where I thought the rookie players were going to go. There's been some surprises with that. You've been very aggressive in, in choosing rookies in your three checkered flags. Before we start talking about what you've done, let's start talking about what you are going to do. Uh, and I think I said checkered flags. I meant run to daylight. But checkered flags is on my mind because they are on the schedule now. Four divisions have been posted. Uh, when I meet with uh, Jesse Bumstead, we'll have four more divisions for you. Uh, and, and the full complement of eight divisions. Um, we'll have some other announcements uh, in the mailer this week. We won't uh, spend our precious time as Fetch waits in line to pick up the kids at school. So we've got we've got thirty minutes to talk football, and we want to we want to focus on that. Uh, Fetch, let's lead to something near and dear to everyone's hearts. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now we don't know. And, and in this situation, it, it goes back to something my dad always told me. He said, the people that know aren't talking and uh, the people that don't know are talking a lot. But I have found that in listening to this and trying to figure out the goals and personality of Aaron Rodgers, I, I have enjoyed for the first time uh, listening to uh, analyst James Jones. I think he's got a, an expert feel on this. Packer players that have played with uh, Rodgers, with the exception of Brett Favre. They have great respect for him and great respect for his opinions. So let's look at it this way. There are so many teams that uh, Rodgers could end up going to. I want you to hit me with your two favorites. Let's Let's put on some imagination now, and let's join this conversation and pick out the two landing spots that you would most likely imagine for Aaron Rodgers. I think number one is the Denver Broncos. Uh, They've done this before. They went out and got a veteran when they felt like they had a great team around him, especially a good defense. Um, I also think that John Elway is the type of guy that understands how important that Hall of Mm -hmm. Fame type quarterback is to an organization. Speaking the same language, so to speak, Peyton, uh, uh, Rodgers, and Elway. Yes, yes. And so – George Payton is a general manager there, and I track their record back to the familiarity they have. Uh, George being at Minnesota, Rogers at uh, at Green Bay. There's a lot of crossover there, and a lot of experience uh, being competitors there. Also, uh, Payton is a, a California Bear, and uh, so there's there's some some crossover back in that day. I'll come in with my next uh, choice and, and see if you agree with me. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's very intriguing with how much we know Gruden loves the quarterback position. Uh, I think Las Vegas wants to make a splash. Um, but after Denver, I'm just not sh- I mean, there's so many other possibilities with like a 
Washington football team. But I do think most teams, when they do trade a guy similar to Brett Favre, when he got moved, they'd like that the Packers would like to move him over to the AFC so that they don't have to see him on that path to the Super Bowl. That's exactly right. And then uh, in uh, on the Raiders roster is a quarterback that they could exchange for Rodgers along in, in that package of players and draft picks uh, that would service what needs to be done at Green Bay. Because somebody's got to step up and play center, uh, play uh, under center for the Packers. You know, uh, headed back to Denver, I really like your pick there because, man, is that a loaded offensive roster with players that uh, – uh, you could move uh, to a Packer team to to try to make that package attractive. Definitely. I, it's going to take uh, somebody giving up a lot to get Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is just not going to give him away. Um, the, the interesting part of this whole process is kind of what started all of this is the pick of Jordan Love last year. Right. It seems the reluctance of Green Bay to turn this team over to Jordan Love uh, almost buyer's remorse from last year. I agree. And, you know, Fetch, um, this was in, in plain view, and nobody paid attention to it. Uh, and, and I sort of fought uh, – no, fault's not the right word. I think this is a natural progression of not a strong media man. What, what's our media guy? Is it John McClain down in Houston? Yes. You know, when John McClain talks, he talks for the Houston Texans. Everybody pays attention. You don't have that guy in all media markets. And I I don't see anyone there for the Packers. Uh, You know, this discontent is real. And and, and so it's a it's a lot to be it's a lot to be talked about. Okay, so that's the football world. How is that affecting the draft bets? You've got the number one receiver off the board, Devontae Adams. He's now fallen into the second round. Should he? And will he stay there? How long will he stay there? I think he will. It's only a matter of four or five spots. But I definitely think uh, a drop in quarterback, uh, the level that we're going to see in Green Bay, definitely. Uh, Definitely drops him because, I mean, Rodgers just loved Adams, just loved. They had such a great chemistry, especially this past year. There's no way that's going to be built uh, with another quarterback in just a few uh, months. And there's too many other great options at wide receiver, whether it's that great year Diggs had last year. And we know the chemistry is great there between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Hopkins, to me, only tipped the surface of, of what happened in Arizona last year. Him and Kyler Murray and Kingsbury are going to even get better with the addition of Rondell Moore. And we throw Tyreek Hill, who's the human joystick who can score from anywhere. All those are much safer choices now than Devontae Adams to me. Everyone seems to agree that to win in fantasy football, you have to have a running quarterback, a dual threat quarterback. I'm watching the guys come off the board. Uh, and it's uh, in, in almost every draft, you're seeing that the first five at least fit that role. Um, we're looking at Rodgers, um, many, many touchdown passes. We're looking at Brady, 40 touchdown passes in a season that really didn't get to click into game six or eight. Uh, Fetcher, are, are you buying into that? And who are the quarterbacks that you're drafting right now? It's definitely a, a, extra special sauce that that running 
that they can get you the touchdowns, those extra mm-hmm. 20, 30 yards, that's two or three points, maybe a touch, that's nine points a game. It can really make a difference. The problem is you have to draft these guys in the top six rounds pretty well if you're really truly getting the Josh Allens, the Kyler Murrays, obviously Mahomes is way up there. To me, most teams in their division or that play these, these running type or dual threat quarterbacks, after a year, they adjust. I mean, we saw a little bit of that adjustment right. with Lamar Jackson. He was great as a – and it's similar to Josh Allen. Great when you could get him in the ninth, tenth round, and you then you put up those numbers. Lamar jumped up to the second or third round and lost all his value. I think you could see a, a tick with that with Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and that's why the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady are so valuable. You get uh, those extra touchdown passes because you know they're going to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And you can get those guys 11th, 12th round in most drafts. I saw Tom Brady has inched up a little bit. I think this last draft went like the ninth round. But if you can get any of those guys 11th, 12th, that really solidifies, you know, getting all your uh, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. That's always a benefit if you can get all those before you take your quarterback. And what I saw last year with Lamar in the first few games, I thought I saw a, a- elective aspect of the the offensive coordinator and their game plan was not to run Lamar. I saw situations where I thought he could have taken off and he didn't. He kept the ball back there trying to make that passing game work. Um, so yeah, it's a balance and we'll see uh, we'll we'll see how that how that flows through. Do you remember your quarterbacks that you took in the draft? Uh, this year I have um, I have a different mix it's hard to remember it's hard to remember them i'll tell you that i'm in i'm in my first ffpc uh dynasty draft and and i'm sure that a lot of them snickered when i took the first quarterback off the board the other night uh justin herbert but i was trying to make a stance that i'm going young and i did and i continue to go young and a keeper and keeper draft that that makes sense um I have a good mix. Like I said, I, I have Herbert in a real early draft that I got because everybody's so high. I think yeah. a cu- couple a week ago, the first draft after the uh, the red-eyed gravy, right after the draft, I got Dak Prescott because he seems to have uh, so many weapons. I waited sure a does. little bit in this last one, the old-fashioned, and I took Joe Burrow. And I got him, I thought, with uh, really good value. Uh, I got him in the – 11th round and that's with that same round Zach Wilson went so I I was pretty happy about that especially like I talked about Rodgers and Brady both went in the eighth round in that draft so I thought those guys moved up our good friend Justin McCord took Jalen Hurts in the ninth round I know that's a guy that that dual threat me and you've kind of been talking about that neither one of us are really sold on but it seems like a lot of fantasy players are and a lot of people are sold on Hurts. And if you're looking for a bargain, as you said, you've got to go higher for those other quarterbacks. If you're looking for a bargain, Hurts may be a, a risk, but a potential high reward at that position. Uh, just, just still, it's going to be interesting how Philadelphia works out that roster, the talking opportunities. Of, and, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Talking about quarterback in the draft, I think a guy that got an unbelievable weapon, and uh, he went in the 12th round here, and I don't understand why. People aren't waiting and maybe taking them as his their first quarterback, and that's Matthew Stafford. I mean, he now has uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup to kind of do all those crossing routes, and now he's got a big-time deep threat, a 4-3 guy in 2-2 Atwell. 
And with Matthew Stafford's arm, man, I think that that could really open up. And I know the Rams like to run the ball in the red zone in a goal goal situation. But you know what? You hit the big play, you you don't get in the red zone situation because you're throwing 40, 50-yard touchdown passes. And maybe Stafford, especially with where you get him, I think maybe one of those guys that you could really get value on it. I mean, the guy has put up numbers. I know a lot of people think that's because he was behind a lot in Detroit and, and everything else. But, again, I think that could be a breakout guy in Stafford where you could get value at the quarterback position drafting in the 12th, 13th round. Yeah, very much surprised me that that player went as high as he did. But there's been a shift in what the NFL looks at as potential talent. Tutu Atwell certainly underlines and and, uh, shines the light on that shift. Now, if you take uh, Los Angeles and you, you get in the situation of just trying to understand what they might do. I think a less predictable team cannot be, uh, cannot be found. It, uh, this, this team is, is run, run, run. When we saw them this year in a game, uh, turn and give the ball to Cam Akers on a third and six, you said it was because they didn't trust Jared Goff. And maybe that is true. So we'll see. Stafford's going to make good decisions, going to have a big year. And he's got to defeat, uh, Three significant defenses, and he's going to need to score quick to keep up with Seattle. He's going to need to counter that rushing game that uh, the 49ers come with. And surprise, surprise, Arizona keeps building that defensive line. They had 40 uh, flirting with 50 sacks last year, so they can get after the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that well being a nice addition there. Let's hope he can catch it as well as he can uh, – run away from it let's talk about the other receivers rookie receivers in the draft i think you were probably prompted to draft joe burrow based on what uh, the Bengals did uh in the first round with uh, jamar chase and then we have our two alabama receivers uh waddle and smith who i have been regularly unable to draft anywhere which says i must be undervaluing them uh, the, the player that I have targeted since we all started talking receivers that wasn't included in my, the early conversation uh, was Kadarius Tony. I really like his landing spot. And uh, the fifth one, uh, it, it, it's arguable. I, I suppose we got to focus on Bateman for what he would bring to Lamar Jackson. Fetch, I think you have picked up Tony. You weren't concerned about that New York Giants landing spot. You know, they have a really spread. I mean, they can go Shepard now, Slayton, Galladay, um, obviously Tony, and then they still have the talented Evan Ingram. I think when you have talent like that, it really helps a speed guy like Tony because he, he they're going to have special plays for him. They're going to run some screens for him. They're going to try to make it go deep. And they have got to make this a quarterback-friendly offense because th- this is Daniel Jones's. This is his chance. If he doesn't do it this year, Gettleman may be gone. Uh, Jones may be gone. So I think this is a, a weapon that they want to use, and that's why they went. Uh, they got him in the first round. They traded down. You know, they could have stayed up there and got, uh, you know, a better receiver. I, uh, people had thought that they were going to take, um, oh, the the – the Alabama receiver, not Waddle, but um, Smith. Trophy. Yeah, the Heisman Trophy winner. Instead, they they went down, um, let somebody trade up to get Smith in Philadelphia. They traded to Chicago and Justin Fields, and they went down. So I think they were comfortable with this guy and his big play abilities, his speed. I mean, I, that's the new. 
I think speed has always killed and they've always mm-hmm. thought about with, you know, with what Tariq Hill has done and other speed guys, size doesn't matter. They just want, they want to know if they can get the ball out to an open. This space. guy, you know, Kadarius reminds me of a, a Tyreek Hill and not so much his straight line speed, but his slipperiness and his escapability. I think that you are being very, very kind to tight end Ingram in New York. I believe that, uh, I believe he's a below average tight end in the league and he won't be drafted by uh, he won't be drafted by myself even in, in the tight end hungry FFPC. They, they have the, Kyle Rudolph there as well who yeah, know, kind Kyle, of fits the other mold uh, in you know really blocking and can do all the things that a traditional I, tight end can yeah. do. He he will and with these with this receiver core I don't think you're going to see 21 personnel so I think you're going to see Rudolph on the field a great deal. And uh, Ingram doesn't work to get open around the goal line. So Rudolph, we know that that's part of his game. Uh, I don't think there's enough there to to make Rudolph a target for your drafts. But I want to go back. Well, you say you got Tony twelfth uh, round in no, the latest. Uh, I got him in the fourteenth. Fourteenth round. round. You got yes. Tony in the fourteenth round. I believe he'll be in your starting lineup. Uh, very quickly, if not for the first game, very, and, and very quickly. I have a deep, deep receiving core, even though FPI believes I don't believe in drafting wide receivers. Oh, there, there you go. Throwing it down that. with FPI but, already. A couple Be- drafts ago before the NFL draft had happened, I had the strategy, go get a lot of running backs and get them early because you don't know what's going to happen in the draft. You don't know. so and, and you have time in free agency. So I went and got a lot of running backs. I kind of switched my strategy the last two now that I know where everybody is and I got me one stud running back, then went a lot heavier on wide receiver. And and I wanted to talk, we talked about Joe Burrow. Uh, I kind of felt like I set the market on Jamari Chase's ADP and the fact that I took him early fourth round in the first draft, red eye gravy. You alone, you alone, Fetch, were sitting in this market. He he was going in the fifth. I'm proud of you, Fetch. A lot of people are taking him now more late fourth round. But it, it's a very much a risk-reward, just like the Joe Burrow thing is. I mean, we hear all these Cincy fans, and, you know, Joe Burrow got hurt last year. A lot of people were expecting him to take that offensive tackle because we don't want to see Joe Burrow get hurt. No, man, he was on his back all the time. Yeah, but with another weapon like this, it could be a big reward. Now you got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd in the slot, now you got Jamari Chase. If he gets rid of that ball quickly and they can protect him at all, and we could see some big numbers from Chase because they put up great numbers at LSU and Joe Burrow. So, I mean, it, it's a real hit or miss. It's a risk, but I think that's why we play fantasy football. That's why we yeah. like these early drafts, trying to take a shot and see what else we can hit. It's a high-end risk. Uh, I want to finish up my Giants evaluation that you so rudely interrupted because I believe <laughs> – you are giving way too much credit to Slayton. I've yet to see him drafted. Well, no, hardly I mean, at all. Yeah. I don't believe we see Slayton on the field. I think Shepard is a complimentary player now. And that, and that's it, the that's the shock. I think both of the both of us love Shepard, and it seems like they've given up on him. And I, I he dropped into the fifteenth round, I believe it was in this latest draft, and I could see right. him dropping either even farther going and, forward. And he's he's a capable pick and a draft and a, and a bye week fill in. And a uh, spot starter for you uh, in the KFFSC, and I believe he should be drafted. But he is—he is to me in this offense number third, uh, number three receiver. The two new arrivals, uh, Galladay and Tony, 
being one and two. And then with, with the great running back, we can see. And then finally, in regards to Jones, there was commentary about the fact that he played uh, he played hurt and there wasn't a lot of uh, talk about it this past year. So, so we'll see. He's against one of the greatest defenses uh, twice a year. The uh, Washington Football Club continues to – to improve their defense. So, you know, he's, he's got that. And his schedule comes out on the 12th. We'll see a little more about where he gets his breaks and opportunities. Um, Fetch, just give me some ideas about other things that you saw in the draft. We're going to have to uh, wrap it up here in about five or six minutes for you to stay on schedule today. So let's talk about draft trends and some of the things that you saw and some of the things that you uh, now the competitors, you mentioned, Justin, you mentioned uh, FBI and our, uh, our respect goes out to Brad Petra back at it again after a bump in the road with his, uh, with his physicals, but he's, uh, he's back and ready to play along with Darren Larson. Uh, you want to get in a shot at Jim Cole, just to say something about Jim Cole, just aggravating a little bit out there on the West Coast. Or, I, I tell Jim you know. Cole after our last draft does need to upgrade his uh, Wi-Fi as he had many Wi-Fi problems. Yeah, so, Jim's uh, having a little Wi-Fi problem. I, I thought the West Coast, you're you're closer to Silicon Valley. I, I would I expect better out of Jim Cole. He probably spilled a beer on his keyboard then <laughs> if he was having some. Was I, I think some an interesting beer. thing we saw both from the NFL draft and now that it has spilled over into our fantasy draft is the two you hate to say veteran because James Rod's only been there one year but how the NFL draft affected Miles Gaskin and James Robinson and mm-hmm. in opposite ways James mm-hmm. Robinson was a solid third round pick Jacksonville goes out and drafts ETN in the first round he drops down to the seventh round now because you know you're drafting a running back in the first round of the NFL draft that means you're probably going to use him so we're worried about the usage of James Robinson in the same aspect, everybody thought Miami needs to upgrade that backfield. They did not, leaving did the not. Uh, the majority. Gaskin. So uh, yes, and you can't look at Gaskin's performance. It's better to look at his game logs. You know, he had some issues with COVID. Uh, he has he had some issues with uh, some other nagging injuries that affected him down there. His game logs are very very impressive. I until we see what the head coach lines up with in Jacksonville. I'm not giving up on James Robinson. If he's there the sixth or seventh round, I'm going to take him. Um, we had a, uh, with Balky this week on a high stakes fantasy show, we had, we car- carried a, covered a live draft and we had guys call in and a guy called in and t- said, he doesn't think James Robinson has it anymore. Well, what, you know, what he's saying is, he, he, he's not as smooth as Fetch. He could not verbally uh, collect his thoughts and present them in a way, but that's, uh, you know, he should have talked to you before for the, uh, that, that player should have talked to you before the, uh, before calling in Fetch. I think what you're, what you're saying is that uh, Robinson has got to find his place in this offense. Now, he, he, that makes logical sense until you go back and look at the film of Robinson playing last year. And you will then tell yourself, well, how can any coach not turn to this player for help? So how many games do you think Jacksonville wins this year? Finch? Six, five. I would say six with the new 17 game schedule. It gives you an extra you chance for a victory. 
But, Six games won by Jacksonville, and then they're going to be in some games. They're, you know, they're going to, like all NFL games, they're going to they're going to take some down to the wire. Uh, you would have to think that uh, Robinson, especially in those games that uh, he wins, has some pretty big second halves. Fetch. Yeah, he he seems like he could be a great closer, a guy that when you have the lead comes in really pounds the ball, and, and can finish a team off. Yes, and and that's and, and so there should be enough opportunity between those two backs. Uh, the, the head coach made a statement that he thinks Travis Etienne will be a great third down back, and and you know I think it, it, Jacksonville they're going to they're going to say it's third down all the time. So it it uh, he's going to be on the field, and there's no. Uh, there's no limit to the imagination of where both these running backs may be on the field together. So this will be a very, um, this will be a team that we'll look forward to watching the games. I, I'm looking forward to that first Sunday with Red Zone, but man, I want to see these full games too, Fetch. I, I, you know, it's it's a, it's going to be a big big football weekend uh, there in early September. Fetch talking about big football weekends, August 15th in Cincinnati, 27th through 29th, Caesar, Southern Indiana, get a room. The, uh, we have a room block ready for you. Make your reservations. Fetch. We've got five big payback leagues active this year, and we only have 11 spots left to sell in them. The auction is sold out, which you'll be running one of them. Um, I, I think it, there's there's such great anticipation for all of us getting together, um, and, and I hope that we'll have a chance to uh, have a regular schedule and bring some of uh, at least our brand of knowledge to the listeners where they can take that and then run and go figure it out themselves. I think uh, I look around the league and I see that, you know, we've, we've got some guys that have drafted 10 or 12 teams with us. You know, Bobby Sangerman, FBI, they've been there for all of them. So has the uh, solo dog, Clayton Wilson. We've we just got guys that, that love drafting and love being a part of it. I think it's going to make a stronger and more enjoyable weekend, uh, and more enjoyable season for everybody. Fetch, is there one player we didn't talk about that you want to talk about before we close? I have one. I'll let you go first. First, I, I think Trey Sermon is an interesting guy. The whole San Francisco running back, we it's really full back there. I know you're a Rasheen must-start, Mostert guy. <laughs> I, I always contend that San Francisco running backs are great for a week, but you never know how many yeah, weeks they're going to start because yeah. they all seem to get banged up. So, uh, again, he's moved up three or four rounds, I think, since the pre-draft because everybody feels like he's such a great fit there in San Francisco. So I think uh, how that San Francisco uh, backfield kind of plays out in the snaps and who can stay healthy is going to be very interesting uh, in the fantasy season. Well, I'll comment, I will I will comment on this on Mostert. He's been in all of my early drafts, and I, I usually draft him higher than, than his ADP because I want to make sure I get him. So when I saw that uh, Sermon joined that backfield, I said, well, you know, the, the silver lining is that Mostert will drop and I'll be able to pick him up later. And, and his, his draft value has remained largely the same. Thank so there must be other guys out there that believe in him like I do and, and only time will tell, but you know, talent at every position, 
uh, on a football team makes players have to rise up to that next level. So it could be Mostert or any other of these players around the league. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Sterling Shepard. He isn't wanting to give away touches. So, you know, Sterling yeah. Shepard may come to camp ready to play. I, player I want to talk about is uh, quickly becoming a favorite of everyone um, in fantasy and, and on the field and away from the field, and uh, that's uh, Najee Harris. We talked early, Fetch, about how could Pittsburgh uh, go go and uh, pass on this player. Uh, we did that with Brad Taylor over on Lexington's ESPN radio. We did that with uh, with Balky, and you and I discussed it here, and, and they did not. And I think um, anyone who had uh, drafted early and drafted Harris had to be a very, you know, they had to feel that they've already won uh, when they saw a Harris's landing spot. I think so. I picked him up in that first draft after the NFL draft, got him in the second round. And I, that was earlier than he had been going in, uh, in previous drafts. Uh, but I've seen him just move up to almost the end of the first round, beginning of the second round ever since then. I don't think there's a better fit for a player than him and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's now moved on from Connor. Uh, the under, other young guys, McFarland and Snell, to me, kind of had their chance. So I think this is Najee's backfield. And I think to keep Ben healthy and keep him uh, motivated, all, all these great NFL quarterbacks later years, their best friend has been a running game, especially, you know, Elway yes. and Terrell Davis, even Aaron Rodgers last year with Aaron Jones. So I, I just think this is a great fit. If you can get Najee Harris anytime uh, late first round, early second, I think you you will enjoy that uh, enjoy that pick. Fetch, I never can let you off the phone, so I'm going to come with one more question. It's going to be about wide receivers that we fell in love with last year, two of them, C.D. Lamb and Chase Claypool. I expected them to go high, very high, real high. They have naturally going higher than they went last year, but they haven't broken through a glass ceiling, so to speak. You see Claypool and C.D. Lamb uh, worth their value as to where they're being drafted. Is it about right, or is there still a little bargain factor involved with either of these players? I believe C.D. Lamb still has – some bargaining and the reason mm -hmm. i say that is i think he could move into the number one position at that uh, wide receiving core i know amari cooper is talented but he has seemed to fade at certain times or get injured and because uh cd really already passed gallup he's almost there and that's such an explosive offense such a offensive head i mean they drafted defense everywhere so they plan to be behind a lot, I got to believe. So that that's just a, a great system for him to be in, and, and he's great talented. I'm a little worried about Claypool and just how much – we just talked about Najee, and they're going to want to get back to old Pittsburgh right. Steelers running the football. We had the problem of them uh, not wanting uh, to use Claypool sometimes in the red zone, and I really thought they may move on from Juju Shishu. Uh, Easy for you to say that. That's right to move on from Juju. And I think that would have really helped Claypool just in the snap percentage and everything else. But the fact that they kept him, that just muddles that receiving core just a little bit more. And I think that he's being drafted about where he should. 
sixth round, yeah. about the same yeah. place as Deontay Seven. Johnson. And and they both are such talented guys, but I just don't know if – Ben's not going to throw the ball as much as he did last year. I just don't think there's any way he throws the ball as much as he did last year. I Yeah, he was – you know, we got to remember we were dealing with an 11-0, 12-0 team that we were talking about winning all the ball games before the wheels came off. Part of the wheels coming off had to do with poor decisions on the offensive side of the ball, which meant that Claypool wasn't on the field in the red zone. James Washington was. Very, very confusing. Claypool still had a wonderful season, and he greatly rewarded 17th, 16th round drafters who, who rostered him. Now – uh, I would have to think that the coaching staff in Pittsburgh has eyes, has ears, and has a video camera or some type of device that they can stream video from last year and understand what this player brought to the team. So logic makes me think that I have little to fear in Claypool, but you're exactly right. I don't want to give I don't want to give more than that seventh round pick for him. Fetch, let's close out. Let's bring in a new group of uh, uh, a new group of NFL players to talk about. Let's take a look at our boards and see what some of our own fantasy drafters are doing, uh, and, and try to get together a little later in the week. How about it? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, buddy. See you then. Have a good one.